1: If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor
0: Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Alright, welcome back. You are still listening to The Valley Labor Report, Alabama's only union talk radio show. We are now in overtime and we've got a guest lined up and so and you know her better than i do adam so i'll let you introduce her absolutely so uh, i wanted to introduce terry michael and i'm excited to have terry on the show um one of the things that i really like about terry is that she is a tenacious activist uh we first met gosh it's been probably eight or nine years ago uh We were both getting um, involved in education, activism, and organizing around the same time. uh, I was still kind of getting my feet wet as a teacher, um, and Terry had already been active in the Huntsville City Schools arena, um, as well as the statewide arena. So we have known each other for several years, been in the struggle together, fought a lot of the same jerks together. Uh, So if I can get, get my camera set up real quick and then I'll have Terry, uh, introduce herself. All right, Terry. So thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you involved in education, activism, and organizing.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. And I really you know, appreciate this. And Adam, you and I have known each other for a long time and I've always respected you. So this is just amazing opportunity to spread some knowledge, <laughs> which is what you guys do at the Valley Labor Report all the time. So thank you for having me on. Um, so real quick, if I can, what got me involved was that uh, three out of my four children are teachers here in Alabama. And um, when my oldest daughter started teaching in Huntsville, um, I really realized that something was not right. I didn't know what it was though. Um, my children went to schools in Madison, Alabama public schools. And so once she started teaching in Huntsville schools, and I started learning more about the Title I schools, um, then I realized that not all children in Alabama get the same quality education. I know I should have known that. and. I wish I would have learned earlier, but once I knew it, I couldn't unknow it. Right, And so that's when I started really fighting for all children, I believe, you know, when you're talking about, you know, being punished by your zip code or whatever, I felt like children in public education weren't getting the quality that they should based on where they live. Um, and so to me, public education is the foundation of our country Um, 90 percent of people go to public schools and look at what we have done look at what the people that have graduated from public schools in our country have done we've produced some of the top scientists and doctors and i won't go on about it because we all know so when they started talking about our schools being broken i'm like what? <laughs> you know, something's broken, but I don't think it's our schools. And that led me to the privatization movement. And that's when I learned, you know, that there really was an agenda there um, to label a lot of our schools as failing. So, you know, what I say is there's a lot of money to be made in failure. And that Mm -hmm. that's how I got started back in 2012 in Huntsville. In 2014, I came to Birmingham because AFT, uh, the American Federation of Teachers, were running into me all the time at the legislature and everywhere else. And they're like, we need to hire you. I'm like, "Okay, I can get paid for this. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So that kind of put me on the path of where I am now.
0: That's outstanding. Yeah. I think you and I sort of entered into staff roles also around the same time, uh, which was interesting, you with AFT and me with AEA. Um, So I wanted to switch gears a little bit there. You mentioned AFT. Could you talk to us about, first of all, what is your role with them? What do you do? And just give us a profile of the union. Talk to us about who are your members? What do you all do?
1: Well, I am so excited <laughs> to be working for AFT. Um, the amazing thing is, is that the work that we did through the pandemic, in representing for our members and making sure we had clean schools, that we had, you know, a safe environment, that the PPE was being um, readily available, all of those things, you know, we really fought for, and when we felt like that these things weren't being provided, we we're able to um, apply that pressure and the school system stepped up and then provided. So also with the, um, the emergency family leave and other things that uh, the CARES Act provided for, we were one of the first ones actually to notify, um, Employees in public education and what their rights were about how they can get time off if they get COVID, if their children get COVID, their husband gets COVID, that there was a lot of things being provided. And we were actually the first people in Alabama um to really break that down and tell people what their rights were so i'm really proud of the work that um, aft has done especially through the pandemic and it has been reflective in how our membership has grown since then it's really been incredible in that we have so many people leaving the profession in particular the older teachers um, are retiring because they're like this is not what i signed up for education has really Um, deviated from educating our children and has gotten into the weeds. And so even though that was happening, AFT was able to actually increase our membership, which was amazing in a right to work state. Um, And so I'm really proud of the work that we have done to protect our teachers. I want to emphasize that in protecting our teachers, we're protecting our children. AFT, um, you know, doesn't technically work for the parents of the children but we recognize that our students um, um, learning environment is our teachers um, working environment they go hand in hand you cannot separate them and that's why i do what i do because i have not compromised my Um, my, my thoughts, my speech, um, my intentions, everything that I began in 2012, just naturally rolled over into AFT. And especially through this pandemic, we have stood strong in representing our members and our students. So was there another question I didn't touch on? No, (laughs) I think that's fantastic.
0: That's what, that's what I was looking for. Um. In terms of just kind of getting to, to the, um, the nuts and bolts of it, who exactly is in Birmingham, AF, Birmingham AFT? Like who, who all is part of the membership? Is it just teachers or?
1: So thank you for that question. Um, so in Birmingham AFT, um, we are mostly in central Alabama and Birmingham. Um, we have Birmingham, of course, and then um, Fairfield and Midfield. And we have a lot of other systems asking us to come in, and we're trying to work that out. But um, in public education, almost all employees can be in Birmingham FT. The thing that we don't do is have bosses, because, of course, that's what unions do. <laughs> you know, unions don't have bosses because we don't have that conflict. We know what side of the table we are on and who we are representing. So the bus drivers, the um, custodians, the cafeteria workers, the teachers, I I mean, just on and on. Anyone who does not hire and fire um, Birmingham AFT or AFT here in Alabama can represent.
0: All right. Yeah. Thank you for that distinction. I think that's very important to note um, that, you know, a superintendent and an HR director cannot be a member uh, the union with Birmingham AFT, uh, which is a pretty important distinction from others.
1: Right. So, and right now, if I can't say this real yeah. quick, um, as you guys know, um, unions, they're like at an at all-time high. Since 1970, from what I understand, um, union um, participation is at an all-time high. And so what I try to um, show folks is that look at, Um, Amazon, look at Starbucks, look at all these companies that are fighting um, to organize. And so that's that's because the worker through the pandemic has has really come together and realized, you know what, they don't operate without us, they need us we have power and we demand our rights and so you know that has been pretty powerful that we can point to amazon especially here in alabama um, and the starbucks and say look look people are understanding the power of um, the unions. And so I believe that's also why Birmingham AFT is even more successful because people are understanding that, yeah, we need them. We need to be protected. And so that's kind of exciting to me being someone that's fought for so long like I have.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's something that most of our listeners in Alabama probably are aware of in terms of Belonging to a union as an education employee is an option, but it's certainly no, by no means required, um, and there are not collective bargaining agreements in, in public schools in Alabama, um, so it's, it's a matter of advocacy and organizing more so than sitting down at the negotiating table. So it is right. different from, from what you might get with, say AFT chapters in Chicago, for example. That's the, that's the biggest one. That's the one that um, you know has been most inspiring for me. but um, we're in a, we are <laughs> at a different terrain here in Alabama versus Chicago. Uh, so one thing I thought has been really interesting in, in, in seeing your journey is that you were elected to a term on the Birmingham School Board. and I'm really curious. What that experience was like, especially coming into it as someone who does have this background in grassroots organizing, education, and labor activism, um, I, I've thought about. I've thought about it for myself. Like, what would it even be like if I were sitting on a school board? Um, would it drive me insane? I feel like it probably <laughs> would. So, you you lived it. Tell us, what was that like?
1: So I, I went into it kind of, you know, starry-eyed, like like you, Adam. It's like, what can I do? What can I accomplish? I told folks when I was on the campaign trail, you know, I've been a grassroots organizer. I've been a union organizer. Now I want to try my voice as an elected official from the inside. Um, to me, that was just very exciting. I had been to all but five Birmingham board meetings from 2014 to 2017, so I knew the school system, and I was really excited to be on the board and try to work the process from the inside. All I could say is I'm very naive um, because, you know, I was just one of nine, and also um, the the conversation around the privatization movement, <clears throat> i.e. vouchers and charter schools, um, it's very complex. And I was talking, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, um, but I was talking at a different level. I came into it um, talking about things that Alabama hadn't caught up with yet because I do follow national you know, um, education issues with the badass teachers, Uh, you know, they've just been amazing Um, network for public education. You know, they backed Mm -hmm. me in both elections. So I have knowledge from all over this country. And so I, I don't think that Birmingham was quite ready for it. And a lot of the conversation I was trying to have didn't really strike a chord Um, with folks on the board. That's not to say they were bad people, but I was just one out of nine that was talking. Um, I like to say that I speak two languages. I speak English and I speak uh, privatization. And so Mm -hmm. I had a really good grasp about what was going on in Birmingham and how our children were being turned into dollar signs. Um, But to really turn my knowledge into votes Um, You know, nine people on the board, I'd have five votes. So besides me, I had a four. (laughs) And um, really getting folks on board with the conversation that I was having was very difficult. And that's something I really wasn't prepared for. Um, And that's on me, you know, that's on me. Uh, But it's, it's just It's such a complicated thing, as you know, Adam, you know, public education and the privatization movement is an onion, has layer after layer after layer after layer. Mm -hmm. layer. Um, And the opposite side can say a student should be punished, should not be punished by their zip code. I mean, everybody's on board with that, right? Um, But for the folks that support public education, it's really a complex issue to break that down. And so I I was up against Goliath. We had wins, Um, AFT and also myself since 2014. We've had a lot of wins at the state level and the Birmingham level. The thing is, is that these things never came to surface because we stopped them before they started. And so a lot of people aren't aware of it. And someday, if you want to hear if you haven't already, my story about the um, the ESL students here in Birmingham uh, back in 2016, I'd be more than happy to tell that story. Um, I can show through personal experience how um, the State Department of Education sets Birmingham City School students up for failure. That's exactly what they did with our ESL students back in 2016. and um, And that's what pushes me. And a lot of people... Um, can't really wrap their brain around that. But when we really look at Alabama and the history of public education our constitution, I mean, we all know that public education in Alabama was not meant for the the black and brown students. And so when I try talking about that in present terms, people kind of check out. They're like, that's a past, everything's fine. No, it's not. We get set up all the time for failure by the legislature and the Department of Education. And I can talk for hours on that, but we're limited right now. So I'll end right there. And I hope I answered your question.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's, it's something that resonates with me, obviously, because, you know, we've had some similar journeys and um, I guess in some ways I kind of, was on the inside um, and the outside at the same time. And, um, yeah, it, it, I think it's it's impossible to, to realize how difficult it is until you're there. Even if, yeah. you know, I mean, you'd been an activist and an organizer for years before getting on the board, um, and, and I had uh, been involved in activism for quite some time before getting onto staff with AEA, we both had some idea about the reality of dealing with politics in Alabama, but nothing quite prepares you f- for it no. until you you know you are inside the system, so to speak, and and you right. can see the the motive. And, and, yeah go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. um it's just i think that that what alabama folks are slowly coming around to is the power and the money that Mm -hmm. the charter folks have and so i i think that they had a hard, hard time grasping on um to those concepts Uh, Because they felt like, you know, when you're like a child shouldn't be punished by their zip code, that's just sounds so good and so right. And to try to break that down and talk about property and, you know, um, the the um, charter management organizations and explain to people how that money is made Um, and how it is hidden behind these curtains, Um, people, I mean, they'll ask me, well, I mean, how much money can you make? Why are they doing it? I don't understand. And so to explain to people, you know, just how that whole thing works is difficult. And that's our challenge right now, especially in Birmingham, is to really break this down to something, I'm going to be honest with you, emotional that people can grab onto Mm. because that's exactly what the charter school people do. You know, they get people with an emotional story and they come in and and of course, you know, we're talking about children. How can you not have your heart go out to these children? But my thing is, is that I want to raise all children up. I want all children to get the same quality education that my children got in Madison, Alabama. And the truth is, it's possible. And so I'm not going to settle for one charter school that has 150 people that we may or may not see positive results from. I believe in public education and I believe all children, should have the same opportunities and quality of education. To me, that's the basis. When you go on to all these other choices, how can they be successful when the very base of your education is rotten? Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. And I've said that over and over again, but yet, you know, that's a little bit more of a complex thought. Our children shouldn't be punished by zip code. That's what every- Everything goes back to, and I agree with that statement, and that's why we should give the legislature hell for not funding our schools equitably, because the first choice is theirs. When we're talking about choice in education, let's point our fingers at the legislature and say, what choice are you giving us? Public education is a choice, and you have an obligation to fund us equitably.
0: Amen, sister. I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, You know, our public schools have been sabotaged. And, you know, it takes many forms. Sometimes it looks like charter schools coming from the outside or private school vouchers. Sometimes it looks like subcontracting and outsourcing within the school systems. Um, And that covers the gamut from, you know, custodial staff, but to software and technology And, um, you know, curriculum, there are so many different ways in which money is made off our public school system and the public tax dollars. Um, And I I like what you said there. There is a choice. The first choice there is with the legislature. Passing a budget is literally the only thing they're required to do. Um, And for year after year after year, they have chosen not to equitably fund. Alabama's public schools, just as they have chosen not to fund adequate counselors and social workers and mental health professionals Mm -hmm. and school nurses, uh, just as they have chosen not to fund all the different resources and and wraparound services that we need to address the the achievement gap, which the charter school folks will love to point to the achievement gap, uh, just as they often co-op language around civil rights and... Uh, as you said, you know, feel good stories from students that are hard to to oppose. But, you know, these choices have been made by folks with power and folks with wealth. Um, but the vast majority of us rely on public schools. The vast majority of us, as you said, 90 percent of families are are going to public schools and public schools are the cornerstone of our community. And. Yep. I think it's very important that we we continue to educate the public and we continue to connect educators with parents and community members to get on the same page and, and realize what has been happening to our schools, what, what could happen to our schools, and how we prevent that by coming together. Right. And you mentioned a good bit there in terms of Birmingham. Birmingham has been sort of ground zero for the charter schools in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often say Huntsville City Schools was ground zero for privatization in terms of from the inside out. Uh, right. Birmingham's threat is kind of coming more external in some ways uh, from the charter schools. Uh, but there's there's some conflict of interest, I think, in, in Birmingham politics there with the charter school movement. And uh, right. is there anything you want to talk about in terms of? birmingham specifically and how charter schools have have come into play there
1: right so the charter school law has been um in effect since 2015 and we're at 2022 um and so um, you know you got to ask yourself why why if the law was passed we we still have so few in alabama birmingham has two so far um that have opened already um and really the reason is, is because of the funding. Um, it's expensive to have startup charter schools. And so um, a lot of folks were, were shy about coming into Alabama um, to really start charter schools because Alabama is such an island and it's so corrupt. Um, so what happened was is down in Montgomery um they wanted to have a charter school and they asked um oh gosh what was the name of the the national organization I'll come back to that. But
0: I I think I know what you're talking about. Now, the name escapes me right now, too. But is it like new schools? Um, Maybe that's no. Maybe I'm wrong on that. New schools
1: is a part of it. It's a part of it. Um, But it was one of the national like actually school chains. So they're like, we're not coming into Montgomery. Are you crazy? We're not doing it. Um, So what Montgomery did was the Montgomery Ed Foundation stepped up. And they're like, okay, we'll hold the charter. Will you come in and be the charter management organization? And so they were like, oh, well, we'll do that. That's Mm. where the money is. So the Montgomery Ed Foundation is holding those charters there. And so then new schools for Alabama, like you were mentioning, stepped up. And they were like, okay, so we don't have very many national people, national charter school chains and management organizations. Wanting to come to Alabama. So what can we do? Um, So they um, got a grant from the federal government and they, in the grant proposal, um, which I obtained and dissected, basically everything they were saying was we want charter schools in Birmingham and Montgomery. That's what they're focusing on. Um, And they talked about how they were going to do that and how they were going to spend these millions of dollars getting charter schools in birmingham and alabama Um, and if we can put a pin in um, the failing school situation the vouchers if we get to that it's very important adam Um, but maybe that might be for another day but um, continuing down the path of the conflicts um, so new schools for alabama is into charter schools like up to here. Basically, if you don't have new schools for Alabama on your side, it's going to be very difficult for you as a charter school to be um, accepted and uh, to be able to open. And so they're kind of the master. They're holding that key. Um, So uh, the person that ran against me she has an organization black alabamians for education she helped get the charter school law passed back in 2015 and so now she ran against me and she won the people spoke and they elected her and so now she is a birmingham city school board member but the thing is is that her job is to teach and help organizations get approved through the authorization process. The problem is she personally is an authorizer. School boards are authorizers, not school systems. The school board is the authorizer and Birmingham chose to be an authorizer. So this person is an authorizer on Birmingham city schools board and she gets paid to get schools, um, uh, to give them knowledge and the capability to get accepted and to get their schools opened. And so, you know, I felt that was a conflict and, and I did, um, you know, file a complaint about it, but it did come back that, no, there's no problem that the only way it's a problem is if she gets paid extra for a school to, Hmm. um, to to get authorized in Birmingham. So it's okay to get paid. You just can't get paid extra. Um, I have a problem with that because like you said, I work for AFT um, and when I won my seat on the board, they told me that I couldn't even sit in on any panels discussing um, hiring and firing a Birmingham AFT people. So I, yeah, so I was like under this strict like wall of what I could do um, because we couldn't let AFT members benefit. AFT never, ever, ever has been in any contract of Birmingham city schools ever. Um, We make our money off the members, right? When they join us, it's it's not Birmingham city school money. Yet um, we have a school board member um that negotiates and approves contracts for charter schools um and she gets paid by the very people um that bring the charter schools to the board i i can't wrap my brain around it Mm. but that was the ruling and so i assume that it's okay but we also get Um, the letter of the law and the intent of the law and i believe strongly um, that it's improper Um, i wish that the other school board like let's take freedom prep right freedom prep came before this current school board not mine the current school board Um, i read the um, application from freedom prep and they admitted that they sat down with a employee of um, Black Alabamians for Education. Hmm. So that person um, did not reveal to the board that they had already been meeting with Freedom Prep. And so my thing is that how is that not a conflict and why, most importantly, is the board not in an uproar? When I was on the board, um, they did everything they could trying to like get me in trouble and find me in a conflict and slap my hand in public to embarrass me and all of that stuff. Um, And yet I reveal that this board member who said no to the application, but said she knows them and loves them and the application is great, but they're not ready to be an authorizer. and she was paid to sit down with them. I, I can't wrap my brain around it. Um, you know, certainly seems
0: like a double standard in terms of the way, you know, you and Birmingham AFT were treated versus this individual yes. and, and their connection to the charter school organizations. And I think, yep. like you said, I mean, if anything, there's a, a much deeper connection with this because Birmingham AFT does not have contracts with the school system does not um you know rely on school system money money so no it's that's um that's a wild one uh
1: yeah. i thought man i that the um complaint i filed i was like oh i got this you know i because the one thing I felt like the hurdle I had to overcome was to get the Ethics Commission to really understand the role of the board right. as an authorizer. How can you work for an organization that teaches people how to get past the authorizer and be an authorizer? I I, I still can't wrap my brain around it, but it is what it is um so i do you know i think that's important for people to understand and if we can quickly talk about woodlawn foundation and you know what they have done to bring charter schools in to birmingham we have other board members with connections um billups who is a board member um has worked for the Woodline foundation we've already talked about miss williams and the black alabamians for education let's talk about mary bohm and her work with a education partnership which is heavily involved in charter schools in montgomery um and you know they're all supporters of charter schools james meadows he's very well connected with the Woodlawn Foundation, again, whose sole like job it appears to be in Birmingham is to have charter schools. And then you have James Sullivan that's with the, the um, Southern Company, which is basically Alabama Power, um, which is also neck deep in all of this. So we have five people right there um, that potentially um are already sold on charter schools and that's what i really tried to run on was the fact that you know we have this privatization movement we have these charter school folks that are taking over this board Um, but of course there were no debates (laughs) you know nobody uh, debated in public. So we couldn't talk about the difference between me and Miss Williams. You know, we couldn't talk about um, what billups really stood for against the current board member, Dodgy Hendricks, who was doing a fabulous job as board president. So let me say this real quick. You're probably going to cut me off because I talk too much. But look at this. We had a board of nine members. We were working through a pandemic. And I challenge you to find any strong movement. We had little pockets of parents upset, of course, it was a pandemic. But I challenge you to find a strong movement against this school board. I am proud of the work that we did as nine people on the school board. Um, and the way we maneuvered it and i'm proud of the work dr sullivan did um you know as superintendent so think about it almost the whole well except for mary and um sonia i'm sorry mary bohm and sonia um mm -hmm, sonia smith the whole board turned over when does that happen when there's no problems that happens when there's some public outcry against the board but we were doing an amazing job, and yet, almost the whole board turned over, and that is because of the money that was behind the folks and the resources um, that was behind the folks um, helping them um, get a leg up on you know the the election process, uh, and so the people spoke, and it ended up being what it was, and you know that's really that it's really I mean, upsetting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Abs- I mean, it's, it's hard enough to take on the machine. Um, yeah. But it's even harder when you know, you, you know, you're not always going to win. And, and in fact, maybe most of the time you're not going to win. Um, and yeah, <laughs> in some ways, I remember being, you know, like pleasantly surprised when you won the, initially thinking oh my gosh like one of us a grassroots person actually got on the board um but it's so so difficult and you know we're outnumbered even when we can get in those spaces but i think your story illustrates the ways in which big money is really influencing these local school boards and local school districts i mean i think most listeners are are probably pretty hip to the fact that our legislators are more or less bought and sold. But, right. but, you know, at the local level, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot harder to pinpoint sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't help that there's, like, no local journalism anymore, uh, that most, you know, That's information right. is is not readily available necessarily about, you know, like you mentioned, there's not even debates in, in the mm-hmm. school board elections. So it is easier uh, for these big money interests to come in and influence a local school district and shape it towards whatever their desired outcomes may be. Maybe it's contracts, maybe it's construction, maybe it's charter schools or some combination of it. Um, and and so
1: if I can, along that line, I'll just say this real quick. Um, Birmingham city schools, um, um, The company they use to sell their property, um, one of the principals in that company um, is or was up in, I don't know, 2018, I haven't checked since then, um, was the treasurer um, for uh, Alabama Charter School Association or something, a.k.a. New Schools for Alabama.
0: Hmm. Isn't that interesting?
1: Isn't that interesting? And I exposed that in a public board meeting. I had the data. I was like passing it out to my board members. It's like, if this is not obvious, you know, up to this point, you've got to pay attention to this. The very folks charged with selling our property helped get the charter school law written and passed. Wow. That That was just shocking to me. And they tried like hell to, oh, can I say that? No,
0: yeah, you can. (laughs) Okay.
1: They tried like hell to sue me. They called around talking to lawyers like, ah, we want to sue her, you know, that I had the data. I had the information. What I'm saying is true. And so they couldn't sue me, um, but it's disturbing. It's disturbing. Um, and you know, there's more and more and more things I could go on like that. Um, but since you mentioned, you know, the property and stuff, I felt like that needed to be Oh no, that's,
0: that's a great example. And yeah, I mean, you and I could probably have a monthly chat on connecting the dots of corruption in Huntsville city schools and Birmingham city schools and, and, uh, the Alabama legislature's role in all that. Um, but I think those were some you know those are those are powerful anecdotes, and the the scary thing is, it's not necessarily isolated to Birmingham. Birmingham's no. got a a unique van a unique is uniquely situated because of the population size, uh, because right. of some of the money that's circulating. There they have Birmingham and their targets for charters, but. Some of these Absolutely. Some of these themes we're discussing in terms of big money influence, in terms of conflicts of interest, um, school boards that are working alter- al- ulterior motives, those things are, unfortunately, not isolated. And so right. chances are if you're listening to this, if you start digging, look into your local school system and you be you might be surprised at what you'd find. Um, Yes.
1: And, and the thing that I try to tell people is that I'm not going to say every charter school across this country is terrible. Okay. Um, But we're talking about Alabama. Every state has its own laws. And what has Alabama done for its black and brown students? And in particular, the high poverty, black and brown students, they mm -hmm. refuse to fund the schools. They have this terrible voucher law. I mean, what they're going to suddenly write a charter school laws can be Right Now we're going to give great schools to those students. No, absolutely not. Everything that this legislature does is to line their pockets in the pockets of their friends. And so, you know, th- then we get into charter schools that are already open in Alabama. So there are some that are doing fairly well. We can't say that every charter school in Alabama is terrible, but let's look at the bad ones, right? Let's look at what happened in Montgomery. Let's look at Legacy Prep here in Birmingham and the, the uh, problems they've had. I mean, that's the thing, is that this white power structure that is in charge of our school systems publicly across the state, the legislature, I mean, it wrote the charter school law so why do we feel that now it's going to be different that our black and brown students and our high poverty students will be treated fairly and get an equal or equitable education under these charter schools it's crazy it really is look at the two schools in birmingham we have one on the east side and one on the west side the one on the west side is legacy prep and and i assume adam have you guys covered or talked about the financial problems that school had
0: no we haven't
1: do you want me to now do we have time yeah okay um so it came out in august that the principal of legacy prep which was the original she had been there she was founder um that she was asking for the board um to take out a loan to cover expenses and they were like whoa wait a loan well um you know by September, that principal has stepped down. That board did not even begin looking for a new principal until February. Um, and so I suspected that there were a lot of problems going on there. Right. And um, eventually some um, reporters got involved and they were able to do more research. And so there's basically like $300,000 missing. But um, the bookkeeping was so poor that they don't know who that's on. They don't know who's responsible. Wow. So everybody walked away fine. And now they, I guess, eventually hired a new principal. Um, But I'm like $300,000. And basically they just said, oops, We don't know who did it because this is so bad and so we're just gonna you know start over um and it it got very little coverage i kept pushing and pushing and i'm thankful that finally somebody covered it because if that were a birmingham city school oh my goodness i can't even imagine oh yeah
0: oh (laughs) they would have paraded the the everybody involved on tv and you know Uh, it would have been more proof that public schools are broken.
1: Right. And I tried, I tried, I talked to the folks and I said, listen, you got to run this article because you know what? You could be like, let's check in. It's been, you know, however many years, let's see how they're doing. I gave them perfect openings, you know, and it still took a while till it got that obvious, um, that it was finally covered. And I will say this, there have been accusations um that the other charter school has been counseling out um special needs students i had parents prepared um to give um interviews about how they were counseled out of a charter school and ended up going back to a birmingham city school Um, but by the time anybody took it serious those parents were like we're moving on i I don't want to visit that that was like a year ago Um, so we weren't able to move forward. Now I'm not saying any school was doing anything. I'm just saying that the accusations were there. And so these things aren't being covered. And again, compare the East and the West of Birmingham, the resources that they have, oh my goodness. It is really, it's almost like North Huntsville and South Huntsville, right? yeah um and yet charter schools were supposed to bring equity and the thing is is it's only magnifying the inequities and yet that's not being covered people aren't talking about it because uh very powerful people are making money off of The privatization movement. I won't accuse Jay Love of anything, but Representative Love, um, uh, when he was, you know, in office, he goes and he gets, um, you know, I think it was a charter school law passed or whatever. And he didn't even let his feet like touch the ground. Once that was passed, he quit and went to school for the charter school. I mean, went to work for the charter school people. Um, you know, work. Dr. Bice. Dr. Bice did the same thing, right? I'm just saying. Um, we also talk about um the former governor Riley, how involved he is in all of this. We got a lot of powerful people, um, you know, making a lot of money off of it. Um, Oliver um mm-hmm.
0: Oliver Robinson, perhaps?
1: Yes. Thank you. Oliver Robinson sat on a charter school board as he was voting on charter school things in the legislature. So when he was convicted of the things he was, well, that was my first ethics filing was to point out that he was voting on charter school things while he sat on a charter school board. The ethics folks did call me um, and want more information on it. but i don't know what happened it never came i think they already had what they needed and again i'm not accusing anyone of anything but i'm talking about facts and the facts are he sat on a board while he was at and hubbard of course he was the same way he's he i think some of his and adam correct me if i'm wrong help me with this i think some of his convictions were tied up in that am i wrong
0: there was there was an education company that he was connected to um and gosh the name escapes me at the moment but he definitely had there was connections there with an education company that has done business with school systems in alabama um yeah so i think you know you start connecting the dots you start doing some power mapping and you can figure out Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of connections between the folks involved in the charter schools and the voucher movement, uh, with the broader like power structure right. of this state. Yes. And, you know, it's some of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the state are either directly involved with it or they're connected to people who are involved with it. Uh, right. and I think that's where you see, a uh, uh a struggle uh, a struggle to educate folks around it and a struggle to fight back against it. Uh, but yeah. I, I, for one, commend you for what you have been doing over the years, um, both as an activist, like from the grassroots level, uh, because I remember that charter school law. Um, you were one of the few people in the state that was really, really fighting hard on that, and, and you were doing that a lot of it on your own, Uh, Because I remember you posting in the Badass Teachers Facebook group uh, and and us getting some information from that. And, you know, me manually copying and pasting every legislator email into my inbox. Because, like, we were like, somebody's got to do it. Like, we're just doing it on our own. Um, But, you know, you've been fighting the good fight for many years. And uh, I just really appreciate all you've done for public education in Alabama to try to have better schools for all, all students. And, um, Terry, was there anything, um, maybe that you really wanted to get off your chest that we didn't get to today? I mean, I, obviously we could, we could have a lot more conversations, you and I, especially about, uh, these topics.
1: Yeah. And, and so the thing that I think, because, I was a Birmingham School Board member, and because I live in Birmingham and work for Birmingham AFD, if I can um, just say that there is a campaign coming that is going to miseducate um birmingham citizens the parents about what a conversion charter school is and i think the most important thing right now is to tell people that conversion charter schools are only different from a chart a startup charter school in one way and that is that they don't have to have a charter management organization doing their finances. And so that means that they come in, they take over our school, they take over our students, they take everything in the school, they walk in. It's easy. They don't need much money. They have to hire a charter management organization to do their curriculum. They don't have to for their finances, but we all know they will. Because that's what they want is control of the money and to put it behind this wall of, you know, a charter management organization that's going to make it difficult for the public to see the public dollars. So here in Birmingham, they're going to tell people conversion charter schools are good because birmingham city schools will be able to control them and oversee them that's simply not true they will have no more oversight over a conversion charter school than a a startup and i understand this is outside the scope of what we have talked about but that's really the campaign that i'm on right now because back when our mayor um woodfin was on the school board He was trying to convince them to be a conversion charter school district, to vote yes for it, and that's the exact argument he was using, that we have more control with the conversion charter school, and that's just simply not true, and so I'm working really hard. AFT is working really hard. A lot of other wonderful people that support public schools We're working hard to get people to understand that voting yes on conversion charter schools is no different than accepting a startup charter school. So that's, a. again, we're talking about how nuanced things are, right? Yeah. All they have to say is a child shouldn't be pu- um, punished by their zip code we have to explain the difference between a conversion and a startup so it makes it really difficult so i'll stop right there no um, i
0: i'm so glad you you wrapped up with that though because i wanted to know kind of like what what was on the horizon what are you working on and i think that's a very important issue yeah. and um it's something that i think is going to be be a, a increasingly you know relevant um maybe not just in birmingham but elsewhere Right. And yes. so I,
1: I believe so. You know, the the feeder pattern that was created under Dr. Herring, um, I, I believe has made it very convenient for places like um, the Southern Company to step in and head up a feeder pattern um, and say it's going to be a stem feeder pattern. I think what we're going to start seeing is Ramsey. High, well, let's see. No, let's word it this way. Southern Company Ramsey High School. Right (laughs) now, I'm starting rumors, but I kind (laughs) of not because I think that's what we're going towards is to have high school feeder patterns that these companies are going to be head of. And our children are going to be put into these pipelines. And so that's really, it's called a portfolio district. And I feel like, well, I know that's the direction that Birmingham city schools is going and it's unfair. It's unfair. If it's a good thing to do, then do it to Huntsville, do it to Vestavia, do it to all these other districts. You know, they're not going to, because it's not a good thing. It's turning our children into dollar signs.
0: Absolutely. Well, Terry, thank you so much. Keep us posted on this. Keep keep us posted on the campaign around conversion charter schools. Uh, and let's definitely stay in touch uh, as education issues pop up this legislative session, as we both know they will. Um, <laughs> so hopefully this will be the first of many conversations on the Valley Labor Report. Really appreciate you uh, taking the yes. time to speak with us.
1: Well, thank you so much. And matter of fact, the state and the the naacp they had their state um conference and we actually had two white republican men come and talk about um their um laws uh you know what i'm trying to say adam help me out the uh
0: the school choice law oh no
1: You know what I'm trying to say. The the divisive concepts and the CRT Oh my gosh still have stories to tell you about that meeting. So that'll be another day. (laughs) But if you want to hear what these folks said to the NAACP, I'll be more than happy to tell you.
0: Yeah, we're going you know, to have, gonna have to have another conversation about that because that sounds uh, pretty interesting. A teaser. A teaser you know you're also in it. a can
1: of worms oh, with man. me, right? Yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, okay, so yeah, we definitely have to have you back. Uh, and that's going to be <laughs> one of the topics. <laughs> well, thank you All so right. much, Terry. We appreciate it. And uh, where can folks find out more information about Birmingham AFT?
1: Um. um well, we do have a Facebook page, okay. uh, Birmingham AFT on facebook okay um, and cool. they can always hit me up i'm terry rector michael on facebook um i'm very public about my information because i was an elected official so you know my can i give my phone number
0: if you want yeah. to so,
1: well it's public information so i don't care yeah. it's 256-679-7135 so if anyone wants to talk about the information i've given tonight um you know i'd be more than happy to do that
0: awesome thank you very much for taking the time appreciate yep. it thank you well thank you
1: for having me on you guys are awesome i really enjoy your show every saturday
0: I appreciate thank that you. thank Thanks. you